Welcome to the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour with your host and founder, Alex Burr. Hello, and welcome to the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm your host, Alex Burr, and today we're going to be talking Harden Trade. We're going to be talking New York Knicks for a little bit. We're going to be spinning the wheel, and we're going to be getting into the Magic and the Hornets. Let's go ahead and just um, start with the Harden Trade. Um, I have some thoughts. I'm, I'm going to try to keep this a little brief because Caleb... Um, Zach Griffith and Dalton Shapker touched on this a little bit on back shoulder fade last night. So we don't need like a whole lot of differing perspectives here. I'm just going to I'm going to touch on this a little bit for both sides. So let's just start with the Sixers here. So the Sixers, let, let's break down the trade first. OK, so it's a three team trade. Um, the Clippers are getting Harden and PJ Tucker. They also got Philip Petrosev, but they flipped him to the Sacramento Kings. And then the Sixers are getting Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, KJ Martin, an unprotected 2028 first round pick, two second round picks, a 2029 pick swap, and an additional first round pick from the Thunder. The Thunder are um, getting a pick swap from the Clippers as well to facilitate that part of the uh, deal. So it's technically a three team trade, but the Thunder, um, the Thunder aren't as important in that trade, but except for of course they got. Of course, they stole another pick swap from the Clippers and they just own the Clippers future at this point. Um, so let's start with the Clippers. I don't really see how this moves the needle for them. You have to trust that Kawhi is going to play 60 games. And at this point, I don't trust him to play 50, let alone 60. So you have that element, right? But then you also have the element of. Do I trust Paul George to play 60 games? A much more reliable candidate to play 60 games, I'd say. I don't trust him to play 60. Um, you have Harden, who's going to be durable, but he's also taken a step down, <laughs> to put it kindly. Um, and then you have Russ, who's going to probably be relegated back to the bench where he did not want to be. Russ, bless his heart, he played really well off the bench for Darvin Ham last year. He really did. But he also hated every single second of it. That man could not have wanted to do anything less than come off the bench last year. So you have that. Okay. You have the, um, you have these, all these pieces that want the ball, right? And not to mention Norm Powell and Bones Highland, who also are going to want the ball. And those, that's not even the tip of the iceberg there. Um, Zubach is going to want shots. You're going to have a lot of players that want shots in this team. Ironically, the only guy who's not going to want shots and is probably going to need to shoot it is P.J. Tucker, um, who's going to be left wide open in the corner every single time. I'm going to be like, hey, please, P.J., I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, brush my hands off. I'm just going to be like, please, hey, P.J., shoot it every single time. You know, please. Um, my good friend and host of the Lin Sanity and Back Shoulder Fade, Caleb Lynn, was talking to me last night about this, and he brought up a really good point. Is in the West, and he brought up the Suns with this point, which you could bring this up with about like six different teams too in that conference. <laughs> the West is more offensive oriented. It's not like now, granted, the NBA the last couple of years has never been, oh, hey, you know, we're going to get stops. <laughs> stop, stop, stops. With the weird exception of 2022, it hasn't been, you know, 
defense wins championships lately. It's more been who has the best offense to go along with the best defense. But 2022, the, the Warriors just defense was amazing. Um, the Warriors this year are going to gun the Kings. I think the Wolves could possibly a gunning contender you have. <laughs> and then obviously you have the top two. You have the Suns and the Nuggets. That's five teams off the top of my head. Okay. That are probably going to be in the playoffs. Who's to say the Wolves will make the playoffs, right? I, I believe they will. But who's to say they will? So those five teams are going to be running consistently and putting up points. And what is going to be your answer to that? Because Harden isn't going to be the guy he used to be. Kawhi can't shake Jordan Clarkson anymore. Like, he can still score. But Kawhi, at this point of his career, is like that late-stage Kobe where he can still get points off of his guile. (laughs) But it's just like, it's clear he's lost that step. And he's not that guy he used to be. Like, he's not that athletic, dominating presence he used to be. And that's, that's the real problem with them. And so... I, I don't trust that. I don't trust... <laughs> I really don't trust a lot about this team, but I especially don't trust Kawhi's health. I don't trust Paul George to really stay healthy, and what is he going to do? Because I thought he was always great when he had the ball a lot in his hands, and now you're taking it out of his hands. Um, like, I, that, if there was one... I wasn't the biggest Paul George fan coming into his stint with LA, but one thing I really respected about his growth over his time in Los Angeles was... He was about a C decision maker with the ball coming into his time with Los Angeles. Now I'd say he's about a B plus a minus decision maker with the ball. I'd almost rather him have the ball than James Harden. So, and I understand, you know, you bring in Russ so he has the ball less, you know, take more pressure off of him. But I'd rather that dynamic where, you know, you have a bunch of like intermediate ball handlers and have Paul George do the bulk of the decision making and ball handling than bring in James Harden. That's just me, though. Um, so you're just messing up a lot of the dynamics. PJ Tucker is a better defender than any of those guys they traded, but he's also a worse shooter than any of those guys they traded with the maybe exception of Covington. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see where, you know, maybe they get away with it because he can, (laughs) he's a good passer. He can dribble. So maybe they run dribble handoffs with him into screens. Maybe they use him like, Kind of like in a weird Draymond role because we've seen he has high basketball IQ last year in Philadelphia. So maybe, you know, I mean, he obviously has high basketball IQ. He's playing until he's 38, but we've seen him maybe, we'll maybe see him expand his role offensively with the ball and stuff, maybe using him as a distributor. Who can really say? I don't like the fit. <laughs> I think PJ would have been better off staying in Philadelphia, but I, I think that's a good transition to, to Philly because. You lose probably your best perimeter defender in P.J. Tucker, which, yikes. Um, that guy's your best perimeter defender at age 38, you know. Remarkable that he's still able to be a top perimeter defender at his age, but also concerning that that is your best perimeter defender. Um, Batum, better shooter. Obviously, Batum can handle a little bit. You know, we've seen what he can do with the ball in his hands. But I don't want him, you know... Closing games for them. I think the only two guys they keep from this trade are going to be KJ Martin and going to be um, Batum. I don't see Rocco on this roster past past February. I don't see Marcus Morris on this roster past February. So you have those two elements, and 
man, if you could combine all those wings into one player, they'd be a special player, but they're not. They're all four different players. And I think what's nice about that is you can probably use those players, the two you're not going to keep. You can use their salaries to fill the other holes you have on your roster, right? Like you could use Marcus Morris to be like, hey, you know, hey, Washington, you were going to trade for Marcus Morris earlier this summer. Do you want, can I interest you in a first round pick and you give us the line right and maybe, I don't know, who Daniel Gafford? That's just an example. I don't think they'd be that much, but just an example, right? The other thing that they're talking about with Philly is that they're going to have like 50 million in cap space, but I think something that people aren't realizing, and this might be including Daryl Morey, who's the last free agent that switched teams that was worth a damn using cap space? And I think the answer is Kawhi, because Kawhi was the last free agent to sign (laughs) during that class of 2019. Other than that, there hasn't been a meaningful free agent switch teams. When I say meaningful, I mean like superstar. Change teams via free agency since then. It's always been over trades. So your best bet to get a superstar is to have that war chest. And obviously, you know, the Bucks got Damian Lillard, but you could quibble over whether or not he's a superstar. Um, to get that top level player that you need next to a guy like Joel Embiid, you need to have that war chest. And I guess, you know, you have three first round picks. Maybe that's enough. I don't think it is. I think the one valuable pick you have is that 2028 <laughs> Clippers pick unprotected. That's probably the best thing they got out of this whole trade. And maybe that's the thing that gets them the star. I doubt it, but maybe. And again, let's just look at the guys who are who they're saying are available. They might change, you know, it's still early in the season. We still got four months till the trade deadline. They're saying like guys like the Chicago guys, right? They might be available. Levine, man, that's going to be a tough because, you know, not good enough for the distributor. And then DeMar DeRozan, I don't know if I'd want him again. I don't think he's a good enough distributor. He's better than Levine, but. I'd rather have Levine than him, and I also, it's, it's just going to be a tough sell next to Embiid. Okay. Siakam, not my favorite fit either. Would probably upgrade their defense a significant amount, but I think it's, again, I think it's a tough sell. You know, the, the shooting's not there. If he could shoot, he's probably a top 15 player in the league, in my opinion. But he can't. <laughs> and I think it kind of evens out the rest of his game, but he, you know, that element that's missing is such a key element that it's, it's kind of hard to overcome for them. So then we'll go to, um, another guy that's frequently mentioned, Carl Anthony Towns. Why would you want to pair Carl Anthony Towns with Embiid? So none of those guys make sense to me. I, um, it, it just doesn't make sense. None of the start possibilities make sense. I think what's probably going to happen is unfortunately, there's one of two possibilities. Maxi breaks out this year. Right now, he's averaging 30 points a game on eight free throw attempts. I don't think that's plausible. <laughs> okay, I don't think that's going to last. Call me crazy. But if it does, or if it sustains to like 25, maybe you have something there. Um, until then, I think I'm going to live with the Sixers probably being a 3-4 seed. And them being, you know, probably a slightly above average team who maybe will patch some holes at the deadline, but won't they push the bucks on opening night, but man, it's I'm still not the biggest fans of them. So let me go ahead and move on to the wheel. Okay. 
so the wheel. Um, last week, obviously, we got the Magic and the Hornets, and the Knicks are always off the wheel, and so are the Jazz because of our associations with them. So let's go ahead and give it a real quick spin. I'm really excited. Hopefully, we get a West team this time. Okay, and we landed on everyone's favorite team in the media right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and the boys, Chet Holmgren, I'm really excited to watch them, actually. That'll be fun. Okay, now it doesn't matter. I, You know, last week I gave it a respin to try to get a West team. I don't care if I get an East team this time. Um, Let's see. Oh, and I get the defending champion, Nuggets. <laughs> so, we're pretty even so far. Um, Wow. <laughs> Too bad this wasn't last week. I could have done two for one. Um, Because the Piston, or the Thunder and the Nuggets played each other last week. So... Thunder and the Nuggets, my two teams for next week. That'll be real interesting to watch. Um, the Knicks. Let me go ahead and move on to the Knicks now. They're they're interesting. Um, so full disclosure, I'll just tell you which games I watched for them. I watched the Hawks game from last Friday, where they won 126 to 120, and I watched the game against the Pelicans last Saturday, where they lost 96 to 87. wasn't even that close. Um, did not watch either of the last two Cavs games. They are currently two and three on the season. They probably, you can make a case they should be four and one. <laughs> um, maybe not four and one. We'll say, we'll say three and two. We'll say three and two because this team has lost both games of their back to back so far. Um, by the way, I should note this Friday. First game of the in-season tournament. Still have no idea how it works. I will figure it out as I go. Um, you're not going to be getting your in-season up tournament updates from me. I will just tell you that much. Um, full transparency here. I will I will figure it out as I go, and as I figure it out, I will um, try to attempt to explain it as best I can. Um, but the Knicks. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just pick out one thing I like from the team each week. And I'm going to discuss that. Or maybe one thing I've noticed, I'll say. Because maybe I won't like it. This week, I'm just going to start with the obvious place. In that Julius Randle. Okay. Now, his stats, <laughs> I understand, are not the best right now. Um, Currently, shooting 15 times a game and making four of them. Okay. Currently, shooting six times a game from three, making 1.6 of them. But something I've noticed watching them is that he draws a lot of attention. And apologies if there's like a leaf blower outside my window. So apologies if you hear that. Um, one of the things I noticed watching them is that he does just draw a lot of attention to himself driving the ball, right? When he posts up, when he, you know, when he has the ball on the elbow, right? And it might not seem like a lot, you know, even if he is struggling, it's still going to be important for him, them when he catches the ball and he drives towards the rim and he draws two because this team is so lethal from three. What are they shooting from three right now? Um, probably not the best because they're only 39 or only 34% right now. But that's, you know, liable to change. This team has such good shooters. This team, when he draws two, okay, and he kicks it out to the open shooter, you know, and they do the hockey pass. He's only averaging 5.2 assists. That honestly felt low. I was like, wow. When I saw that, it feels like he's doing a lot more passing-wise than that. And I just wanted to say his 
attention drawing when it comes to the double teams. I'm sure his shooting efficiency will go up as the season goes along. Um, if it doesn't, then it's a cause for concern. But I think it goes to show you can still, when you're a player like that, and also I do want to point out something too about his playoff struggles. This is, I kind of see why he can struggle in the playoffs a little bit because in the playoffs, you are playing usually elite defenders, right? Guys who can take you one on one. Um, in the regular season, you're going to want to throw a second guy at Julius Randle because why would you bother wasting your elite guy's energy trying to just have him handle him one on one? But in the playoffs, it's like, hey, you know, we can avoid expending this guy's energy. Let's go ahead and have him, you know, let's just send him some help his way. And we'll just bank on their shooters not making shots. In the playoffs, it makes more sense to single cover him. But in the regular season, I think that attention he draws is really valuable. And I think the shooting percentages will bump up eventually. But they need to figure out the picking order. Um, RJ's looking really good shooting the ball right now. So maybe <laughs> that's part of why Julius is struggling is because, you know, he's like, man, I wish RJ wasn't shooting so much better than me. But RJ's, <laughs> I'll be honest, too. Everyone who listens to this pod knows I am a big R.J. Barrett fan. Probably one of the biggest. You might say the biggest. But something I've noticed, because I've, I've followed Nick's accounts for years, and they've said that he's not a willing passer. I've been like, whatever. I'll watch the game. He only passes when he has to. And that's a big thing, right? If you're only passing just because you're caught up in a double team, or you're passing because you got, you're driving and you drew help, that's a problem. Like, RJ's looking to shoot 1,000% of the time. And I don't think he's going to grow out of that mentality. I, he's too far into the league at this point. Um, and I think that's something I appreciate watching Randall is, like, as much as he struggles, you know, he's still going to be aggressive going for a shot, and he's still going to be aggressive looking for that kickout pass. And he's not doing it just for the sake of getting the assist. He's looking for the open man. And I think that's a big difference. So I think Julius deserves a lot of praise for that. Um, I'm going to highlight more other players as the season goes along. But I did, you know, I know he's struggling to start the year. But that's just something that's been catching my eye when I've been watching the Knicks games. So let's go ahead and move on to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I did watch more of their games than the other two teams this week. um, Because I was more thoroughly, I'll be honest. (laughs) I'm more fascinated with them right now than I am with the uh with the Knicks. So since last Thursday when I recorded, they've played three games. They're not playing again until this Saturday at Indiana. Um they played Detroit lost 111-99. They're one and three right now. Um lost to Brooklyn 133-121. Then lost to Houston 128-119. By the way, I am all in on both of these Thompson twins. Um two of my favorite young players <laughs> I've never seen two rookies come in and defend on the wing the way they have. It's just kind of astounding how good. Now, obviously, I know Osar or Amen's, excuse me, more of a point guard than Osar is. Osar in particular, uh, let me just real quick. This is going to be a little bit of a tangent. Osar Thompson, for him being 19 years old, is an insane defender. And has insane basketball IQ. I, I'll admit, he played a lot more than Amen did. I'm Amen, Amen. I'm going to go Amen. He played a lot more than Amen did. But Asar has insane basketball IQ, just insane smarts. 
that kid is going to be a, if not a star, he's going to be a star in his role that he's going to make a lot of money. He's going to be whatever team he is on. That team is going to win basketball games. Mark my words. Okay. I, cause I'll, I'll be honest too. You don't know what to expect when you're coming out of a league, like overtime elite. Okay. I think it's John Montero. That kid went on, like that kid was projected to go first round. He went undrafted coming out of overtime elite last year. And so it's nice to see these two kids. Now they were, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, these two kids are college age playing against high schoolers. But it's nice to see them overcoming those, you know, expectations and playing really well in spite of those. And that I, that's going to kind of buoy me into another young player that I've really enjoyed watching. And that's Brandon Miller. Now, shocking. <laughs> the number two pick is good at basketball. But, I mean, coming out of the gate, shooting 47% run the field in four games off the bench. Now, most number two picks would be starting right now. But he's, you know, dealing with Gordon Hayward, who, of course... <laughs> Efficient as always. Um, although down from two this year, not as good inside the arc as he is outside the arc. Um, I think that Brandon Miller should be starting, in my humble opinion. I think... I just think that he's the guy that is their fu- so clearly their future. And I, I have to say, it's obvious that right now... <laughs> Miles Bridges isn't playing. I'm glad I caught them on the time where he's not playing. So I don't have to talk about him because I am not happy that he is still in the league with that out of the way. Um, Miller is so, so poised. His shot creation already is insanely good. He was cooking the Nets defenders. The, the main game I like paid the most attention to, I'll be honest. Like the one I was watching the closest was that Nets game. And man, he just was tearing the, the Nets defenders apart. The Nets have really good wing defenders and they just had no answer for him. He, his size is insane. I can see the Paul George comparisons. I really can. Now, are they probably good comparisons? No, they might be a little lazy, but they're still like, you could see them. He's got the size. He's got the mid range pull up down. His shot looks silky smooth. <laughs> Honestly, he has a little bit of a handle. Um, the defense isn't there yet, <laughs> but he's 19. Like he'll get on a screen die on the screen, leave the um, defender one on two, right? But the, he's 19, you know, what do you expect? <laughs> um, you're not going to be preternaturally gifted at, it says he's 21. I'll, I'll take it that he's 21. Um, you're not going to be preternaturally gifted your fourth game in the league at being, you know, the best wing defender in the league, unless your name is Osar Thompson. That's just not in the cards for most rookies. So I think you can develop into it. And I think this team, the, the problem is really his, the team around him, okay? They're just very undisciplined. And Terry Rozier has been awesome. Like, really awesome. Um, right now, it's only 19% from three, but 60% from two. Just kind of getting whatever he wants inside the paint right now. Um just kind of like when he gets inside, it's kind of unstoppable, which is insane to say for a little guard. But he's really their best source of offense right now. PJ Washington's also been really good. He's been a real um, beneficiary of playing with Lamelo, and Lamelo just can't buy a shot to save his life. Now I like his activity out there, but 
some of the shot selection is just infuriating sometimes. I I'm sorry. I don't think the ratio should be 7.53s to 7.32s. I call me crazy, but I think it should be more like 10 twos to or like nine twos to six threes, something like that, <laughs> where it probably look. I mean, obviously it'd look better because the percentage <laughs> would go up on both count or the percentage would go down on twos because he'd make he'd be only be making two and a half twos to nine threes. But the percentage would go up on the three pointers. The points. The point is still. I want to see him attack the basket more. Even inside the arc, he's not finishing well. But he is, you know, hitting the glass hard. 1.3 offensive rebounds a game so far. That's one thing. This team is hitting the offensive glass hard. But it's just like... There's not a lot of coherence on that offensive side. Lamelo getting a screen from one of the bigs. And on defense, this team plays actually not bad defense. It's just they're small, right? And Mark Williams and Nick Richards are big, right? But they're small at the spots that count, right? Like they're playing Gordon Hayward at the four right now. He's small. Um, they're PJ or PJ Washington is actually usually their four, and he's small for a four. Um, most fours they're trotting out. Even the, I know everyone's saying, oh, now players that used to be small forwards are playing the four, but those guys are usually six nine, six ten. PJ Washington's clocking it at a modest six seven. So the other night against Detroit, Detroit just killed them inside. Just like Duran was having his way. Now Duran's been having a monster season. He might be worth honestly his own episode <laughs> at some point. But this team is small. Um they're easily they're easy to take advantage of inside. And I pulled up cleaning the glass for one specific reason for them, okay? I want to see their transition defense because their transition defense I feel has been Horrendous, yes. Right now, they're the 28th ranked horrendous defense. They're giving, excuse me, they're giving up 6.8 <laughs> extra points per game on tra- in transition. And the eye test, sometimes stats don't always back up the eye test. The eye test very much backs this one up. If you watch Hornets games, you're like, my God, the transition defense was absolutely awful here. So... There's a lot of like fundamental things you need to they need to work on, which is kind of crazy given who their coach is. Because you would think given who Steve Clifford is, you know, what they did with less talented teams, you know, the Kemba Walker, Marvin Williams, Nick Batum, um, Al Jefferson teams back in the day, you would think this team would have like a grasp on the fundamentals, but no, they don't they really don't. <laughs> and I'm sure their half court defense isn't necessarily as bad. Like I'm gonna pull it up. It's, it's a little bit better. It's only 23rd. Um, and they're good at actually cleaning the glass. So, you know, they're not giving up as many. They're not giving up as many trans or they're not giving up as many offensive rebound opportunities. You know, they're good at hitting the glass. This is a good rebounding team. They have. I'll say this. This team has what it takes, in my opinion. Will they put it together, though? And that's the million dollar question. And, you know, I don't really want to talk about Bridges, but what is Bridges' role in all that? You know, what will he bring to the table once he comes back from his suspension in five games? Um, Well, he'll be coming back, so his suspension is 10 games. So let's just pull up their schedule again. Um, He'll be coming back against 
So let's see. He'll be coming back on November 17th against the Bucks during the end season tournament. Um, so it'll be something to monitor how he impacts their progress this year. I honestly think if it were me, I would trade Bridges and Hayward. I wouldn't even like, honestly, forget about the off the court stuff, which is horrible with Bridges. I trade Bridges for the sake of getting Miller more touches. I, if it were me, by the way, I didn't even talk about how much I love Mark Williams. He's looked great this year. He's been a menace and I, he could be a little better because they're playing in such a deep drop right now. <laughs> I don't really think that actually suits him. I'd play him a little higher. Um, that's me, though. <laughs> I think he's athletic enough to do it. I understand why he's a monster of a man. But if it were me, I'd play. My, my future lineup would be LaMelo Ball, fill in year two, Brandon Miller, because I don't think I wouldn't keep Rozier around either. I'd free Rozier personally for his own sake. Um, LaMelo Ball, name your shooting guard, Brandon Miller, PJ Washington, Mark Williams. I think that four is your core four, personally. I wouldn't build around Bridges. I know Bridges is awesome. I would just let somebody else handle that, like on the principle of the thing. And also, Brandon Miller just looks... If Brandon Miller hits, he's going to be better than Miles Bridges. If Brandon Miller hits, that's a superstar. Like, and again, it's a little early to say this, right? But he's, like, awesome so far. He's, like, genuinely amazing so far. So, I think that you put that guy in this environment where he has to compete for these kind of minutes... I don't know if it's the best for him. And I'm a little concerned. Um, I have to say, we didn't get a real chance to comment on the Kai Jones situation. I think that actually was kind of the best thing that happened to them. Because as much as Kai Jones was an amazing athlete, I'm not going to really comment on what he did. I'm just going to comment on the impact on its on their team. He was an amazing athlete. Probably one of the best in the whole league. And I believe someone will give him a chance down the line. But he, them getting rid of him will clear up so many minutes for Mark Williams to do his thing. And it'll clear up. Nick Richards is probably worse than Kai Jones, but he's more fundamental and solid down there. And I, Caleb, I know you hate me saying that, but I think it's just true. I'd rather have Nick Richards down there right now than Kai Jones because he, even when he was playing last year, he was, he was wild. <laughs> so... I mean, you can get rid of Kai Jones, can't get rid of Miles Bridges, whatever. Um, in any event, I don't see this team winning more. Their defense is atrocious. I don't see this team winning more than 30 games. I, I think they're going to be better than the preseason projections, but I don't think it's going to be... I don't think the future is bright, bright right now. Or the, let's say, I don't think the present is bright in Charlotte. But the future, if they move their pieces right, I think it could be particularly special over there in Charlotte. And now on to the Orlando Magic, who are... Oh, oops, I closed my basketball reference tab, thankfully. <laughs> That's funny. Um, oh, this is going to be a lot more work than it's worth. <laughs> okay. The Magic are 2-2 two and two at the moment. Um, played a 
tough road back to back in Los Angeles the last couple nights. Um, the two games I watched for them were I, I tuned into a little bit of Rockets Bla- uh, Rockets game last week, and then I watched their game against the Blazers, and then I watched the game against the uh, the Lakers on Monday, and I'll tell you they're. So their other games, 116-118, or 116-86 against the Rockets, 102-97 against the Blazers win. Then their last two, they lost 106-103 against the Lakers, 118-102 against the Clippers. Um, about what you expect from this Magic team, they're playing tonight. Um, recording this on Thursday, so this will probably come out on Friday. Probably put this out Friday. And so they'll probably lose tonight again against Utah. Caleb's team. Um, this team is encouraging to me. I'll I'll just start there. So I think this team I'm trying to figure out where to start. Well, right now, Paolo and Franz are both shooting 38% from the field. <laughs> and they're still two and two. Um the field goal attempt distribution is not ideal. Cole Anthony is tied for second with Paolo in field goal attempts per game. Um, you don't want that. And he's also getting to the line 4.8 times a game, only hitting 3.3 of them. Truthfully, I think what they need to do is they need to establish a true packing order. Okay. Because the guards have kind of hijacked this team a little bit to start this season. They need to involve their front court. The strength of this team is their front court. Okay. And what made them special last year and why they went on that run towards the end of the year. Well, they got Markel Fultz back first and foremost, and he's been good to start the year. I don't have any quibbles with him. Um, 11 points a game, 4.3 assists, 1.3 steals. Suggs, by the way, too, has also been good. I still contend <laughs> that he might need a new home. Um, you might need to switch him out for a shooter but Franz like I said they're both shooting 38% from three I think they need a little more spacing out there I might swap Jalen Suggs out in the starting lineup for Gary Harris um right now they're starting Suggs Fultz Fultz Suggs whatever um Wagner Bancaro and then Wendell Carter I think I would probably like at this point I would probably start Gary Harris. Gary Harris has been lights out to start the year from three, 56%. And if you're trying to win, his defense is still pretty good. Um, and their spacing is just notably better when he's out there. This is, this is the main problem with this team. Everyone kind of brought it up before the season. They were like, oh, you know, their, their young team, their, their stars are going to be so good. But they just can't shoot. <laughs> There's no spacing around them. Fultz hasn't made a three yet, which shocking. Um, everyone's shocked. Suggs is putting him up. Suggs is getting up five a game, but he's only making one and a half so far. He's kind of their de facto floor spacer out there, which is not the role I'd have for him personally. I don't think he's a shooter. Um, if he can turn into one, great, but we don't need to cosplay him as one. You need to start at least one shooter. You're in one of the games I watched Wendell Carter banked in a three, but still that's not good enough. I'm pretty sure that might be the only three he has made. No, he's made one more, but other than that, two of 10, 
Um, Paolo, two of nine. Franz, ten of thirty. So he's actually, you know, making them at a good amount. But you still need... Franz has taken... Based on the way the spacing is in this offense, Franz has taken more threes than he has twos. Okay? You don't want that. <laughs> you want your best players. You want Franz and Paolo living inside the arc. Franz in particular, I want inside the arc, okay? Paolo, I know, can't shoot. But Paolo, you know, at least... Paolo's whatever, you know. I'd rather... Him coming off of screens, like, maybe at 16 feet. Probably playing, like, J.J. Redick, right? Um, Like, a big J.J. Redick. Franz, I think, you could use him, like, a Swiss Army knife. And I just think that they're using him as a disservice by spacing him so much, relying on him to be the floor spacer. And <laughs> I'm telling you, I think one little change in the starting lineup, either that or you go out and trade for, like, a buddy heel. Do you go out and trade for, like... You go out and trade for somebody who can help you spread the floor because this team has got something, man. They have something, but do they have? And there was a lot of optimism. I think I put them in that second tier, right? I think I put them or in that third tier last week, you know, of avoiding the play in locks. Now, you know, if they can't shoot and that's worse than it was, it seems worse than it was last year. You bring in Joe Ingles and he hasn't made a three. Um, Mo Wagner's made one three that he's kind of like a spacer for you too. He can't make a three. Cole Anthony's you're leading your team in three point percentage, and that's oh, other than <laughs> Gary Harris, obviously. And I, I like Cole Anthony. I don't want this to turn into a bashing Cole Anthony session, but he's not the guy I want being that guy. If that makes sense, I want somebody to be. I want Cole Anthony to be like my eighth guy who's going to put up a lot of points. I don't want Cole Anthony to be the integral part of my team who's going to be spacing the floor, getting up, you know, being the floor spacer slash, you know, whatever. Cole Anthony is making stuff happen, which I appreciate. But I think that there is a lot of other factors here that need to be considered. Um, so this team also, I want to shout out Jonathan Isaac. Um, he's played very well so far. I don't know the role for him if the spacing is going to be this cramped. It's probably going to exacerbate things, not make things any better. So, I don't know. It, it seems to me the solution here is an easy one. You know, just play, play Gary Harris. And obviously, he's not this good of a shooter, right? Although he did shoot pretty well last year, if memory serves. Um, I'm going to pull up his basketball reference. Last year, I'm pretty sure he shot like in the 40s from three. Yeah, so in Orlando, he shot 38. We'll, we'll round. Yeah, 38. 38, 41 from three, his two years in Orlando. So he's been a pretty good shooter his time in Orlando. And you're playing next to Franz and um, Paolo. You're going to be drawing some serious attention, let alone Markel Fultz and Wendell Carter. I think that there's some serious potential there. I And then if you upgrade that spot into like an actual floor spacer, that could be a serious problem. So sometimes the solution isn't easy. Sometimes it is. I think this is one of the times where it is a very easy solution. Just play more shooters and there's no reason for them. They should have probably won that Lakers game. 
went back and watched that game and uh <laughs> well i went back and watched the fourth quarter of that game and the shot selection down the stretch for them was something i'll just say that i think paolo had one shot in the last three minutes it wasn't not the way i would have drawn it up i'll just say that um I think this is a real make it or break it year for Jamal Mosley too. And it's not really fair because this isn't really a. <laughs> if this was like a college team, right? All these guys were like college level players. You know, this would be a great college team, right? You have a bunch of. You don't need as much spacing in college as you do in the NBA. But in the NBA, the athletes are just too good. You have to have. You have to have space out there. Now that's why Franz is averaging 18. That's why, well, Franz usually averages 18, but Franz should be averaging 20. Paolo should be averaging 20. And I know it's only four games into the season, but I think the signs are there that it could be a little concerning. I, I'll hold out judgment, but my main three Orlando things that need to change after watching them for the first, main two, I'll just do main two. Who's getting the shots and spacing? And if they can change those things, we can have a pretty, a pretty bright season for the Magic, but I'm, I'm not going to bank on it. I'm not going to say, oh, wow, this team is going to be guaranteed for a playoff spot because I don't think they are. I think they're going to fight for the plan. Um, right now, I'll tell you who I think is better in the East. This is just right now. Well, <laughs> it's tough because we've seen some weird results. Last night, the Pacers lost to the Celtics by 50. And they gave up 120 to the... Wizards on opening night. I don't know how good the Pacers defense is. Um, the Bulls are a weird team. They had a players only meeting the first night of the season. They lost when Zach Levine scored 51. But then they, you know, they survive an onslaught by the Raptors and they barely <laughs> hold them off. There's just the, the Raptors have been a weird team this year. They destroy the Bucks after scoring under 103 times so far. That bottom section of the East is going to be weird this year. I just, I can just feel it in my bones. Um, the the Hornets, if they keep playing like this, by the way, I know I talked about them when, maybe winning thirty games, <laughs> thirty thirty five games. But if the East is looking weird like this, there's a shot a really bad team could fight for that ten seed. And who's to say it can't be the Hornets? It might be me that can't that will say it, but. Um, don't rule them out. Don't rule out really any of the teams other than the Wizards right now, because the Hawks too have been weird, by the way, because the Hawks lost to the Hornets, then destroyed the Bucks, lost to the Knicks on, by the way, that's another thing too. I didn't bring this up in the Knicks segment. I meant to Clint Capella missed two of the easiest wide open dunks I've ever seen. If I was 6'10 and could dunk it now, okay, I'm not. But he had nothing between him and the basket, and he missed it twice. Dominique's like, you can't miss that. Uh, by the way, the Hawks low-key, one of the best um, lead pass calls in the whole league, because you just, you're just you listening to freaking Dominique Wilkins. It's like the same as listening to the Knicks. You, know, you get to listen to Clyde Frazier. But I don't I feel like it's as known because, you know, Dominique is not, you know, as revered as Clyde Frazier was. But Dominique, getting to listen to Dominique Wilkins talk basketball, pretty cool experience. But Dominique's like, what? You can't miss that, man. 
<laughs> and I just thought that was that was great. So um I don't know how the East is gonna shake out. We're four games into the season. Four or five games in the season. Um I I think that's gonna wrap it up. I wanna thank everyone so much for listening. Um just a reminder, our teams for next week are gonna be the Thunder and the Nuggets. Um I really I can't wait to get into both of those. Um, the Nuggets are going to be a fascinating one for me to get into. And then the Thunder as well. Um, if you have any thoughts, please uh, get with me at AlexRare4 on Twitter. It'd be The feedback would be greatly appreciated. If you have any complaints, please send them to CalebLynn1. And please tell him, you know, he needs to be better at his job. <laughs> um, in all seriousness... I do, you know, I want to plug some stuff on the way out the door. Make sure you're listening to the Power Hour, obviously. Make sure you're listening to Linsanity. Um, Linsanity with another great episode this week. Josh McDaniels was fired. That's, I'm sure, that's like Christmas for Linsanity there. Um, Back Shoulder Fade, phenomenal this week. You got to make sure you check that out. Um, Circle City Cinema, they broke down The Killers of the Flower Moon. And I have to admit, um, I can't listen to that because I have not seen the movie. Don't want it spoiled. So, you know, I I can't watch a movie. (laughs) I can't listen to a podcast about a movie that I desperately want to see. And I'm sure Zach and Bryce killed that one. Um, But, you know, you'll you'll have to take their word for it that it was a really good pod. Um, And also, I I desperately want to see Killers of the Flower Moon. That looks like such a great movie. Um, I want to thank everyone so much for listening and I hope y'all have a great rest of your week. <laughs>